All right. Well, good morning. Thank you guys for being here. Um, my name is Derek. If I haven't met you guys, I know there's a lot of new faces, so uh, good to meet you. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm on staff down here, and I get to share once in a while. So um, I like to kind of fill people in on the way that I'm wired, how I think, and some of the things that I like to do. So um, I feel like that helps understand where I'm coming from when I'm up here teaching. Um, so I like to snowboard. Is there any other skiers or snowboarders in this room? Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a touchy subject this year. I know there's 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 no snow. It's hard, um, but I grew up in Colorado, so I learned to snowboard at some really good resorts, Breckenridge, Keystone, Copper Mountain. Um, when I started um, getting really into it in college, at Copper Mountain, you could get a four pass for forty nine dollars. Four pass for forty nine dollars. And now I think it's like 200 bucks to go once. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting old. But um, it's a lot different than Terry Peak. Has anybody only been at Terry Peak? Couple. Okay, so if you haven't experienced anything other than Terry Peak, I have to fill you in. All right. Um, some of these big resorts, you can take a high-speed quad, get on, go up like 20 minutes, and you get off. And you're at the top of the mountain, and then you get on another high-speed quad, and you go up to another mountain. And they're huge. These places are massive. You can ski a different um, run all day long. You don't ever have to go do the same thing. So you just have this endless possibility of places to ride and enjoy. But eventually, eventually, you will get to the edge of the resort, right? There's a boundary. And... Some of us like to find that boundary. Some of us like to find out uh, where it stops and get as close to it as possible, right? Some of us are kind of like, we find the boundary and we like tiptoe and maybe get out a little bit, but then there's some of us who are a little bit more rebellious and we like to, you know, push the limits, explore the backcountry, uh, get out as far as possible. But there's a reason that these places build these boundaries and these limitations, Right? It's not because they hate skiers or snowboarders. They build the entire mountain. They groom the trails. They move the trees. They move the rocks. You know, it's, it's an amazing place. But uh, they want to keep you safe. At some point, you get outside. You get too far away. You're in the backcountry. And if you get hurt, they can't come find you and recover you. There's also cliffs, rocks, hidden rocks, avalanches. You guys see where I'm going? So... There's, there's rules and guidelines and boundaries in place, and they're for our safety. Um, and so another example, um, it's football season right now. NFL playoffs going on. Any football fans in here? Only a couple. All right. My team is not in the playoffs, so I'm a little better, but I still love football. Same thing. Rules in place for football guidelines of how you can hit and can't hit a quarterback you guys know that so you're non-football fans <laughs> you can't hit a quarterback below the knees you can't hit him in the head and again it's for the player's safety can you imagine if they let uh these huge linebackers that are like 300 pounds you know six five whatever just go crazy and hit wherever they wanted they would destroy people and that's when you get penalties and flags and all that. So the point is, again, rules and boundaries are in place for our benefit, for our safety. All right? 
So last example that might hit a little bit more closer to home is, um, is my own life. Um, I grew up for the first 16 years of my life with very little rules and guidelines in place. Um, by the time I was 14, 15, 16 years old, my life was a mess. Uh, my parents' alcoholism was kind of at its worst. And because of the lack of rules, structure, and guidelines, what do you think my life looked like? It was a mess. It was chaotic. It was crazy. It was brokenness and a lot of hurt already at a young age. So uh, when I was 16 years old, God intervened in my life. And I've, I've shared this story a little bit before, but I ended up moving from Denver 2,000 miles away to go live in Virginia with my dad. Uh, Newport News, Virginia, he was in the Army, and he was a drill sergeant in the Army. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going. Uh, he was a drill sergeant. He was also a Christian. Uh, in his house, things changed quite a bit for me. I spent a lot of time in the front-leaning rest position. You guys know what that is? Non-military people don't know what that is, but basically, you get down in a push-up position. That's the front-leaning rest position. My dad was military, and he was disciplined, and he was structure. And when I get in trouble, me and my brothers, we'd fight, do stuff, we'd be down on all fours, and he'd be lecturing us like we were his, uh, you know, in his military class, whatever. Um, but the point is, that structure and discipline and guidelines is what I needed. When I moved out there, my life slowly started to change. I started going to church also. That's a big part of it. But I now had guidelines for my life. I couldn't just go steal and party and run the streets and cause mischief and do whatever I wanted. I now had to uh, listen and obey my dad. And so my life started to change in a good way. All of a sudden, I started doing good in school. I was getting suspended, kicked, almost kicked out of school in middle school. Now in high school, I started doing really good. I started playing sports again, started excelling in sports. I even got straight A's in my senior year, which is like crazy because I didn't even know if I'd make it out of middle school. Um, all this, even relationships were, were becoming better. I was making better friends, and just my whole life was changing. And looking back, it's because I got exactly what I needed. I got the, the, the structure, the discipline, and the guidelines in place that would allow me to flourish as, as a young kid. So... Uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, I mean, you know where I'm going with these. We are, uh, we're in this series about the Exodus, and we're studying how um, God has taken his people, the Israelites, out of slavery, out of oppression, and he's leading them to the promised land. And so Evan has been unpacking the last couple of weeks, why? Why did God do this? Why did he um, lead these people out and gone through all this crazy stuff? And really... To summarize his message last week, what I took away was that it's because we are God's prized possession. He loves us. He loves his people so much that he is willing to go to extreme lengths to pursue them and get them back and, and pull them back into the family and get them on the path where they need to be. Um, so this week, we end up at the Ten Commandments. That's where we're going to be the next several weeks. So I get to talk about the first commandment today. And... Um, I think this is, this is a hard subject, especially for rebellious people like me, because we see the Ten Commandments and we're like, ah, it's this, it's this list of rules. It's this thing in the Bible that is just rules and you have to obey or you're going to be punished. So I don't know if anybody else relates to that, but that's how I viewed it growing up. The little bit of, of Bible and, and church that I knew is like Ten Commandments, rules, okay? But the problem is um, the Ten Commandments are not separate 
They're not, they don't have like their own little section and little page and just, they're not separate from the Bible and the story of the Exodus. You guys realize that? They're a part of a, of God's redemptive story and his plan for us. So we can't approach the Ten Commandments outside of the story. And that's what we've been trying to unpack. And we encourage you guys to read and follow with us. Excuse me. Um, because they're definitely a part of God's plan. And so today, um, we're going to pick up at the first commandment. We're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 20. Um, and I hope that you guys see that the Ten Commandments are not just these rules to follow. They're actually for us a response to a loving God who's done so much for us. Right? These people, they were in slavery, in bondage. You imagine what that life would look like. It would be terrible. You'd have no hope. So God rescues them, leads them out, and then he says, here's some guidelines to follow. Right? And I'm going to use guidelines a lot more than I'm going to use rules today because I think for me, it helps me understand the heart of it. So um, who can read for me? We're going to read Exodus 20, 1 through 6. Where's my reader at? We're not, no, don't look at Aaron. He always reads. I need another reader. All right, I'm going to give you this too. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath. Or in the waters below, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Thank you for being brave. So this is, this is where we're at today, okay? Uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but it starts with what God has done for us, right? He said, I have brought you out of the land of slavery. And then he says, basically, because of this, because of what I've done for you, here's what you should do. You should honor me and don't put anything above me. You know, like that's the whole point of this first commandment is to put God first, put God at the top. And don't bow down and worship other things. Um, But God knows our hearts. He knows we're prone to wander. He knows we're rebellious. He knows we're going to drift away slowly. And so he warns us time and time again, these are put in place for your help and your benefit. Right? These guidelines, these Ten Commandments are going to help you prosper and flourish. Um, And... This whole part about jealousy. I've, I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of people lately, and uh, we, need to, we need to stop and talk about this. It says that, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. So we need to stop and talk about that for a second. God is jealous for our hearts. He's jealous for our time, our, our attention, all of us. It's not jealous in an insecure way, like when you're, when you're in middle school and somebody talks to your girlfriend and you get jealous. It's not like that. It's a jealousy because God relentlessly pursues us and he wants to be with us. That's this whole relationship piece we've been talking about the last couple of weeks as well. So the heart of, of the passage is that God wants to be with us, right? And he doesn't want us to go to other things. 
other gods, anything that we can create or come up with. Um, and you can look at the Israelite story and, uh, and see your own life in it. That's what I, I love. Well, I kind of love it. It's hard because I do see my, my flaws and I see how I rebel and I wander and I, I put things above God. Um, and that's what they do. And we continue to do this. We continue to stray from God all the time. But God is constantly calling us back into this relationship. And so God works miracle after miracle for the Israelites. And yet they still mess up and they still go to other things and wander and stray. And same thing for us. I mean, I don't... I've been a Christian now for like 20-some years, and I'm still blown away. I still mess up daily, weekly. I still like slowly like drift away from God, and I have to get slapped in the face and get back in, on track. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's reading the Word, and that's people in my life that tell me and show me, or, or God himself just reminds me that here's what I've done for you. I've changed your life and your heart, and I want, it, I want you to stay on track and on path because I have good things for you. So I had mentioned that, you know, God already knows our hearts. He knows we're going to wander. He knows we're going to mess up. Uh, and he warns us. Um, so let's, let's go to Deuteronomy 4, 15 through 20. Who can read this one? Thank you. you saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. Thank you. That's, that's powerful to me. Um, well, at the end, it says, I brought you out of the iron smelting furnace. You know, again, this is what God has done for us. And this is our warning. He says, don't go to other things. Don't bow down and worship things that are created. And, you know, look up into the heavens and see God's uh, display of his goodness and worship anything other than me, you know. Um, and so it's just such a good reminder. And God gives us opportunity after opportunity to come back to him. And he always shows his power and authority over anything else in our life. Um, what's been really interesting studying Exodus, kind of digging into it, is that, um, I mean, we all probably know this, but I was just reminded as I, as I dug into this, many ancient cultures worshipped tons of gods, all kinds of different gods. The Egyptians were no different. The Egyptians... Uh, they had just tons of God. And so they worshipped the God of the river, the God of the Nile. And he went by the name Hopi. And so as I was studying, I was just blown away because I've never made this connection before. But the first commandment goes right against worshipping, uh, I mean, 
worshiping other gods and specifically this God that they were worshiping. So God is, is always trying to get our attention. He's always trying to show his power and authority. So if you think back to the plagues, what was the first plague? Water to blood. Okay. So if the Egyptians worshiped the Nile and this God Hopi, um, you know, it provided everything. Evan's been showing maps. I didn't bring a map. I want you guys to Google this on your own. Google Earth, Egypt, North Africa. And you'll see just a dry and desolate area. And then you'll see a green strip that winds through it. So you have the Nile River, which is a lifeline for this culture, for these people. It provides food, drinking water, uh, agriculture. Right along the sides of it, it's just green and lush. And then it's just barren and, you know, desolate. So the Nile is everything for the Egyptian culture. You know, imagine being a, um, a fisherman and you, you, you finish up on Friday, you clock out, you go home, you have your weekend, you go back on Monday morning to your profession, your job, you go down to the Nile River and it's blood. It says the fish died, the smell was terrible. And you're like, your whole livelihood, your whole life is, what do you do? You know, you worship this thing it provides for you. And now all of a sudden it's blood. It's not useful anymore. And so God did this to show that he is greater and more powerful than this God of the Nile who provided a lot. It was thought that this God was greater than some of the other gods they worshiped because of everything that it provided. So it's just mind blowing to me that God would do that to show us, you know, his power, his authority in our lives. And so for us, um, you know, we may not bow down and worship a river or a golden calf. You guys know the story. Um, we may not worship statues and idols um, like that we physically make and carve. If you think about Egyptian culture, just think of, think of all the things that they make and create. Big statues that glorify a person, a leader, a, a, you know, Pharaoh or an animal. It, right? He tells us not to do this. You know, fast forward to our culture. We may not do it the same way. We may not bow down and make a, a little statue that we kneel to every, every morning. But what do we do? We go to other things. We go to other, um, yeah, all different things that we think are going to make us happy and are going to provide and give us what we need. And they're idols. They're, they're false gods. And so it may be materialism or, or money or um, even, you know, tr trusting in people and other things like that. But God always shows us that he is more powerful than any of this stuff. He's bigger than any other God we can create, that we can carve, that we can go to. And it's just an awesome reminder. So look up Egypt this week. <laughs> Google it and look at you know, how it is the lifeline for that area and how, be reminded how they quickly turn to the created rather than the creator, right? And think in our own lives how we do the same thing. We so easily go to what God has made and uh, he's given us and we think it's going to fulfill us and give us everything we need, but it's really not God himself. It's, it's maybe, maybe even good things that he's given us that we end up elevating and worshiping above him. Um, So, fast forward a little bit. Let's get into the New Testament. 
let's let's go to Jesus' words. You know, he has a lot to say about this also. Um, that next verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. This is a short one. I know somebody can read this one. Man, shy crowd today. All right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus' own words, to love God, to put him first above everything, right? Um, I know we've talked about this in the past too, like giving God our full heart, everything we have. I was tempted to show an image, but it's a little gruesome, so I'm not showing the image, but I'm going to paint the picture for you because I think it's a pretty powerful uh Pretty powerful image. So I saw this years ago. It stuck with me. And um, it's this image of a guy on his knees in anguish. And he's holding up a bloody heart. And in his other hand, he has a hatchet. And you can see a hole in his, in his chest. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty gruesome. But if you think about it, like, it's beautiful. Like, that is what God is wanting from us. He wants us to offer up our whole lives, our whole heart, everything we have to him and give him everything we have. Put him first. Just like the, the first commandment that we talked about, just like Jesus' words, to give him full control, right? To offer up everything we have to him. Um, but it's hard to do. It's super hard to do. And so, how do we do this? Um, I found that, for me, I have to get to a point where I have to just fully give everything to God. And there's a word that everybody loves. It's called submit. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it up here as well, right? Submit. I know people cringe when they hear that because we talked about our rebelliousness. We talked about how we're prone to wander and stray and do all this other stuff. But then God calls us to submit and come under his authority. This is the definition of submit when I looked it up. It says to accept or yield to a superior force or to authority or to the authority or will of another. So submitting to God means coming under his authority and his will and trusting him with everything. Right? Offering up our lives to him. Here's another verse that's really awesome that goes along with that um, that. That picture I just painted for you guys. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Who's got this one? I need a drink. Thank you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thank you. Might have a new, a new official reader. <laughs> um, beautiful verse. I hope you guys have heard this before. I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. Um, this is how we respond. We offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? This is an act of worship to God. We don't conform to the patterns of this world and everything that's going on around us. We don't conform to a society that worships all these other gods and false things. But we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
So we submit to God and we allow him to do that transformation process that takes place when we submit. And it's a, it's a transformation that changes our mind, our heart, everything about us. And I know so many of you guys in here, I've heard some of your stories. You guys have gone through this. God has changed you. You're not the same person you were 10 years ago. I'm not the same person I was in middle school. And I'm so thankful that God intervened in my life when I was 16 so that he could change my heart. And so we're reminded today with the Ten Commandments that these are in place for us. God, again, wants the best for us. We are his treasured possession. Like He loves us so much that he's going to put guidelines in place. And you're going to hear more and more the next couple weeks. These guidelines in place so that we can live and flourish and, and have an abundant life, which is what Jesus promised. Um, but it, it comes with submitting to authority. And so I really hope that we can wrestle with how we approach the Ten Commandments. And, and you know, change the way we think about them. Not coming to the Ten Commandments with, you know... Um, false or misconceptions about how they're just these rules and we're going to have to follow or God's going to punish us and, you know, all this fear-driven stuff. But I hope over the next several weeks we can come to the Ten Commandments week after week and we can learn and grow and realize that these guidelines are in place for us. And God wants our hearts. He wants us to obey and follow Him. He knows we're going to mess up. He knows we're going to stray. He's always going to be calling us back. But these are our guardrails. That's the way I've been trying to think about it. Um, the Ten Commandments are guardrails on the side of the highway when you're barreling down, living your life, going as fast as you can. You got the music up and everything's going on, all these distractions in your life. And it's so easy to start to veer. And there's, there's guardrails, right, that keep us on track and keep us to where we're going to go. And it's funny, we were talking in our small group too. There's also... Before the guardrails, what is there? Rumble strips, right? As soon as you start veering off the path, it's like, blah, blah, blah. you start rumbling to wake you up and get your attention. You're going to crash. You're going to hit the edge or end up in the ditch. And, and that's the way I've been trying to think of the Ten Commandments. It's like, these are meant to keep us on track where we need to go. God, already, Evan even mentioned it last week with the verse in uh, Ephesians. That he has good things planned for us, right? And he wants us to get to those. He's planned them in advance. And so all these rules and guidelines do is help get us to where we need to go and live a more abundant life on the way. So if you're like me and you're rebellious by nature and you want to push the limits and um, maybe you've, you've lived that rebellious life, I, I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, get back on the path. Let God get you to where he wants you and allow these 10 commandments to, um, to change your life. And, and another thing is, uh, going back to my story and I'll end it with this, but when I realized that the reason my dad, who was a military guy, a, a disciplinarian, is that a word? Yeah. Sounded good. Um, disciplinary, like when I realized why he was doing this stuff, because he loved me, it changed everything for me. When I first go live with my dad, it was sh it was a shock. When you go from doing anything you want and no rules and chaos, and then you go into a, 
another situation like I just described with military and rules and push-up position, like, it was hard because I thought, oh, he doesn't want me to do anything fun or enjoy life or I can't do anything, you know? So I had this, like, almost like uh, dictator mentality, you know? And then I realized my, my dad loves me so much. Like, he's going to put these rules in place because he knows I'm a knucklehead and he knows I'm prone to wander and get in trouble. So he's going to put these boundaries and set them up for my benefit, right? So same thing with God. He knows that we're all knuckleheads too. That wasn't even a part of my notes. That's good. Um, he knows our hearts, basically. He knows that we're going to stray, but he loves us and he wants the best for us. So um, yeah, the next, the next several weeks are going to be a journey. And I encourage you guys to dig in at home in a small group and, and learn and grow from these and realize that God does have these amazing plans for our lives and he wants the best for us. And so um, we can approach these 10 commandments with a new, new view. Sound good?